Man, God is so good. And while you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 11. And you also turn to John chapter uh, 15. Acts chapter 11 and John chapter 15. How many people were here last Sunday? I was. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Great service we had last week. I'm going to continue on this new series entitled Staying. Staying, right, Richard? We're staying. Hallelujah. You know, what I've noticed in my, my walk with God over the last 23, almost 24 years is um, there's a, the Bible says there's an enemy that goes around seeking he, whom he may devour. And, and I've noticed in, in, in my life over the last 24 years that that the enemy tries to do two things. He, he, his method of operation, so to speak, is to move you out of position and, or to move you off of peace. That, that's, his, that's his primary position. What did he do with, in the Garden of Eden? He moved them out of position and he moved them out of peace. That, that's, that's, so, so whatever you might be going in, going, whatever might be going into, on in your life right now, realize that's how the enemy works. He'll work that way through being offended. He'll work it that way in marriages. He'll work it that way in unforgiveness. And, and his main intention is to do thing, two things, move you out of position and move you out of peace. The attack that came against Dr. Savell's life was to move him out of position. You know, whatever attacks you might experience in your life is to move you out of position and to move you out of peace. But we have to come to a place where it doesn't matter what we might be facing in life. We have to, we have to stay. We have to, we have to make a decision, I'm staying. I'm, I'm staying with God. It doesn't matter what's going around me, I'm staying with God. It doesn't matter what it looks like, I'm making a decision, I'm staying with God. It doesn't matter if I'm hurting right now, I'm staying with God. It doesn't matter if I have a, a, a bad report, I'm staying with God. It, it doesn't matter if things are falling, I'm staying with God. I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm staying in his word, I'm, I'm staying in faith, I'm going to stay in light, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be staying in joy, I'm going to be staying in peace. See, see we're, you, you, can't, you have to stop allowing the enemy to, to continue to control your life. You, you, you have to make a decision. See, see, I'm staying. That's a decision that I have to make. I can't make you stay. I can't make you make the right decision. As, as much, much as I would love to make, have everyone make the right decisions, I, I see people going through things in their lives, in their marriages, and, and their physical bodies, and, and different things like that. And what cr my heart cry is like, make adjustments. Make adjustments. How? How? Because, see, ultimately, you're going to destroy your purpose in your life if you don't let go of these things. And so I don't know how long we'll be on this series, but we're going to, I'm just taking it step by step. And last week, I talked about staying devoted. Staying devoted. That, that's what we were created for. It's the distinguishing mark of a Christian, of our fellowship with the Father. It also brings about the promises of God. Deuteronomy 30 says, says, I put before you death and life, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life. So you and your descendants may live, meaning the choices that I make right now are going to affect generations after me. 
Then he doesn't stop there. He keeps on and says, says, why? He says, why? Because he is your life. It says, cling to him. Because he is your life, he's your length of your days, so that you may dwell in the land of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I'm to stay and continue what? So why? Because he's my life, he's the length of my days, and so I can walk in the promises that he has for my life. That's why I need to be staying, make a decision, I'm staying devoted. In Acts chapter 11 here, and, and this is where really this series started for me a number of weeks back, and, and you heard me telling you last week, and I was running, and the Lord's saying, staying, and I'm just running, running. I hear the Lord keep saying, staying, and I'm running, and he keeps saying, staying. You know, by the time I get to the end of my run, he says, I want you to prepare my people. Prepare my people for the time they're in now and the time they're stepping into. What does prepare mean? It means to put into order. Put into proper position, it means to make ready. So the things I'm sharing, these aren't just cute little messages that you, that, that, that you, you hear on a Sunday morning. These are things to make you ready. That's what I'm called to do as a pastor. I'm not just called to give you something that's going to make you feel good. I, I'm, I'm called to make you ready. And, and it, it, because I, I want to see people go to the next level in their lives. So in order for us to go to the next level, we need to get ready. Right. Amen? Amen? And so this scripture in Acts chapter 11, I believe it's really some of the most important instructions that I believe that was given to the early church. And it didn't come from the mouth of Jesus, and it didn't come from the mouth of Paul. Right. You know, it's, it's interesting that what was going on in their time was there was great persecution happening because of what happened to Stephen. If you read in Acts chapter 11, that's why. And, and what happened is all the Christians were spread abroad throughout the known world at that time. And so, so the church of Jerusalem kind of had to go underground. Why? Because of the persecution of what was happening in the church. And then, but all of a sudden, there was rumors of all the miracles and all the things happening in the church of Antioch. And so they said, man, they got word of this. They said, they said okay, Barnabas, you go there. Why did they send Barnabas? Well, because Barnabas was from, from Cyrene and Cyprus, and he was from that area. So they take Barnabas and send him there to hear what's going on. And Barnabas shows up to the church of Antioch. And, and Barnabas is just taking back, and he says, wow. And it said that he was full of joy at the grace of God that was on them. Amen. It's in, he, it's in Acts chapter 11, verse 22, 21, 22. But I want to read in, um, hallelujah, verse 23. This is what Barnabas said. It said, when he arrived and he saw the grace, favor, God was bestowing upon them. He was full of joy. Now listen to this. And he, I believe this is some of those important instructions in the New Testament at the early church. He continuously exhorted them, warned, urged, and encouraged them all to cleave unto and remain faithful to and devoted the Lord with purpose of heart. With purpose of heart. When I said last week, I brought that stake out, put, put a stake in the ground. This is, I'm making a quality decision that this is how I'm going to live my life. Barnabas saw the great things that were going on there, and he said, man, these are great things here, but let me encourage you in something. You know, because it's easy to lose your fire. It's easy to lose your passion. It's easy to let go of uh, 
how you started. Because he was there when it started in Jerusalem. Maybe, maybe he had a, a little bit of understanding about this fire that was going on. But, but he said, wait a minute, don't let this fire go out. You, he continuously encouraged them, exhorted them to cleave unto the Lord, remain faithful to the Lord, and be devoted with purpose of heart. After, after he said this, it says he, he was so in awe of what was happening there, he went to find Paul. And he brings Paul back and says, Paul, you need to go to Antioch. You need to experience what's going on here. And Paul shows up and it said they spent a year there. They spent a year there continuing to teach them and, and to minister to them. And said that is the first place where they were called Christians. It wasn't in Jerusalem. It was in Antioch. But this instruction that Barnabas, and this, these instructions just went off on the inside of my heart for us as a church. And we're going we're gonna to break this out. We're going to talk about staying in faith. We're going to talk about staying in patience. We're going to talk about a lot of different things because we're getting ready. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Say, I want my life to go higher. Say, I want my life to go higher. Hallelujah. Say, I want my life to go higher. I want my life to go higher. Hallelujah. As he encouraged them, be devoted to the Lord. What I want to deal with this morning is another word for staying, and it's abiding. Abiding in Him or staying in Him. Let's look at John chapter 15. John chapter 15. It's one of my favorite chapters in, in the Bible. And I don't have time to break this whole chapter down to us, but, but in verse, verse 4, let's look at this. Verse 4 of John 15. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. Abide in me. Or you could say, stay in me. Be devoted to me. Stay connected to me. Cleave to me. Remain faithful to me. Abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself. I, I just, if, if I were to have an apple here in my hand, and we know within that apple, there are apple seeds, Right? So you could say those apple seeds are planted within that apple, right? But you got to realize just because they're planted in the apple doesn't mean that it can now produce fruit because you cannot produce fruit of yourself. There's seeds in there. How come that apple can't produce another apple tree? There's seeds in there. It's planted in that apple. But why can't it produce? Why? Because you, you cannot produce fruit of yourself. You cannot produce fruit of yourself. You, it's impossible to do that. So, so those seeds need to be planted somewhere else. Those seeds needed to be deposited somewhere else. And it's the same thing in our lives that, that, that we cannot be, we will not be truly successful on our own. But our lives are going to be, have to be in something. And where they have to be, they have to be in him. Abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot it doesn't say could, it just says cannot. That is absolute. It cannot happen. 
Meaning, if I'm going to produce fruit in my life, then I'm going to have to remain somewhere. And I'm going to have to remain in him. It cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the, in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. If, if you don't like what you're experiencing right now, ask yourself, do I like where I'm abiding? Do I like where I've planted myself? Because you are where you are in your life because of where you've placed yourself. Stop blaming other people. Stop blaming people for why things are failing. Stop blaming other people why things aren't working. Stop blaming your spouse for your problems. You work on you. I, I love what, what Gloria, what the Lord ministered to Ken Clopin years ago, and he went in and prayed, and he, he's in there praying about, his, about Gloria and says, Lord, you need, you need to work on Gloria. Lord, I'm praying for Gloria. Lord, you need to work on Gloria. And he's like, Gloria is not the problem. He goes, you take care of you, and I'll take care of Gloria. You, you take care of you. You take care of you. You take care of you. you this, see, we have to get everyone else off of our mind and focus on us. It's about where we're abiding. It has, no, it has nothing to do with what, my, what, what, what Annette does or doesn't do. It doesn't matter if, if she loves me or doesn't love me. I'm called to love her. Amen. It doesn't matter. Oh, I can't go there. Right? I'll get all red and then, you know, and, and lose, you know. It doesn't matter. You have to work on you. That's right. And so we have, to, uh, we have to abide so we can produce good fruit. We have to abide so we can produce the right fruit. Where are you abiding at? Where are you remaining at? Verse 5, I am in the vine and you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. The same brings forth much fruit. Hallelujah. For without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. Wow. That's a pretty absolute statement. Without me, you can do nothing. I could say amen and just go home there. It's like, without me, you can do nothing. So when we talk about abiding and we talk about staying, what I'm hearing in this scripture is total dependence. If we're going to abide in him, we're going to have to have total dependence. That means no strings attached. There's not like, okay, I'll, just, I'll, let, I'll give you this much God, but I'm not going to give you this much. I'll, I'll, give you just a, I'll give you a little bit. I just want to see what you... No, you need to be all in. You need to be all in. Abiding in him, because without him, you can do nothing. It has to be total dependence. If we go to John uh, 14, John 14 and verse 10, Jesus says this, Believe thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he does the works. Now listen again, believe thou me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Jesus is letting us know where he's totally dependent. We see where Jesus is staying. I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. 
I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me. You, we, 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 I said a minute ago, we, we, have, we can't blame other people for where we might be right now. We have to take responsibility. I, I look out, back over the history of, of God's people, the children of Israel. And you, and you look at throughout their lives where, where they were for God and things were going good for a bit. Then all of a sudden they start, let's welcome other gods. Let's build other, let's build other altars. Let's build other things that we can worship. And all of a sudden, you know, we get around this cycle, then they lose everything. And they go back down to the bottom. They cry out to God. God's right there. All right. Everything's going good. We're in this constant cycle. Okay, let's start worshiping other gods. Let's start looking at other things. Let's start about, you know, staying in other things, abiding in other things. All right. What happened? Okay, now we're in bondage. We lose everything. We're in bondage. Okay, let's cry out to God again. All right. And we, we go back up here. Okay, everything's going great. Praise God. Okay, we introduce and we, we start looking at other things that are our source. And or we get back to the top. Then all of a sudden, the enemies come in. They take all that we have. And next time, we're captive again. And we're on this constant cycle. It's this constant cycle. It's this constant cycle because there was a failure to truly trust and stay in him. Jesus, he said, I'm, I'm trusting in him. Abiding is about who you're submitted to. Abiding is about, about being totally dependent, and it's also about being submitted to. That's a word we don't like too often. Submission. That, that was so lot. Take seriously, CD series. Submission. Yeah. People will stay away by the millions. Submission. What does it mean? It means to come under the mission. Meaning bring yourself under something. That's what Jesus was saying, that the Father is in me and I'm in the Father. Bringing myself under the mission. That, that's, why, that's why our world today is so wanting to take God out of everything. You know, the Pledge of Allegiance. It, people won't want to say one nation under God. They, they don't want to say that. Because for one, I don't want to respect him, and then I definitely don't want to be under him. Our world is where it is today because, because it has tried to take God out of everything. You, you, yeah, it, it can be kind of comical in looking at what's going on in, in the world today. That's why the Lord keeps saying, Justin, you're not of this world. You're not of this world. You're not of this world, Justin. And the world is where it is because the people, there's a refusal for people to be under God. Let's go to James chapter 4. Stepped on a few toes. I guess I can step on a few more. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Abiding in him. So abiding is about staying. Abiding is about being totally dependent upon. And abiding is about who am I submitted to. Let's, let's look at James chapter 4, verse 4. He, say, he says this in the Amplified. It says, You are like unfaithful wives, having illicit love affairs with the world and breaking your marriage vow to God. Wow. <laughs> That's not even the message. <laughs> <laughs> what, are the, what, are the, what are the message translation says on that one? 
You are like unfaithful wives having illicit love affairs with the world and breaking your marriage vow to God. Do you not know that being the world's friend is being God's enemy? And you know what? This is in the New Testament. (laughs) So whoever chooses to be a friend of the world takes his stand as an enemy of God. Meaning, meaning you, by your choice, you've made your decision. By you, by, and by not making a choice, you've made your decision. Meaning you made a choice by <laughs> whether, you cho- whether you chose him or you didn't choose him, you chose him by your choice. Wow. You are like unfaithful wives, having illicit love affairs with the world and breaking your marriage vows to God. Do you not know that being the world's friend is being God's enemy? So whoever chooses to be a friend of the world takes a stand as an enemy of God, verse 5. Or do you suppose that the scripture is speaking to no purpose that says, the spirit whom he has caused to dwell in us yearns over us, and he yearns for the spirit to be welcomed with a jealous love? Meaning, are you, are you like these ones that are trying to have, be a friend with the world and then a friend with God? Or do you just think those words for, were written for no purpose? Or was God, were God's words written for in vain? Meaning, which one? Because, because it's either you don't believe God or you don't love God or you just want to cheat on God. No condemnation there. Just, there's no, no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm not, this is not about condemning. This is about I want you to really see where are you abiding right now? Where are you? What are you submitted to right now? Where, what are you devoted to right now? Because the next verse is, is so awesome because God's a loving God, right? So he says, but he gives more and more grace. Thank God for his grace. That doesn't mean it's okay to stay the other way. He's really like, you know, hey, I'm still leading you. Even though that's your choice right now, I'm still there. I'm leading you. I want you to choose this. I want you to choose me. And the grace is still pulling you to choose me, but you st- grace doesn't choose you for him. It's still a choice on your part. But he gives more grace, wherefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Submit yourself to God. Bring yourself under God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. We could also look at this scripture this way. Submit to the devil and resist God and God will flee from you. God's a gentleman. He's always there. So this whole submit is about what I'm choosing to do. Submit yourself unto God and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But the answer is, is who's fleeing and who's coming is going to depend on what you're submitting to. Because the next verse says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. See, whatever I'm submitted to is who I'm going to draw near to. Whoever I'm submitted to is who I'm going to draw near to. So we have to come to a place, am I going to bring myself under? So see this, I'm just stay, stay on this course of thought with me. All right, I'm going, going somewhere this morning, all right? Staying in him. 
abiding in him. Who am I abiding in? It's what, who I'm dependent upon. Who am I abiding in? It's who I'm submitted to. And who I'm submitted to is who I'm drawing towards. Do you see that? So who I'm submitted to is what I'm pursuing. That's, that's, that's really, by taking this train, that's what I really wanted you to see, this, what I want you to see so far this morning, is I'm abiding in him. Who I'm abiding in is who I'm dependent upon. Who I'm, ab- I'm abiding in is who I'm submitted to. And who I'm submitted to is what I'm pursuing. Do you see that? What I'm submitted to is what I'm pursuing. And what I'm pursuing is seen in my daily life. It is. So, what, so ultimately, what I'm truly submitting my life to comes down to what I do every day. You know, for me, this, this, this Jesus thing, this, this church thing, is not a Sunday thing. It's not it's something I put, I, I put on the shelf. It's, it's not something that, that I just, a label that I wear. It's not a denomination that I try to aspire to, but it's the person of Jesus that I want to pursue in my life. So if you don't like the outcome of, that you've seen throughout your life, you have to ask, what have I truly been pursuing? Because what I'm submitted to is really what I'm drawing near to, and that's what I'm pursuing. Let's go to Philippians chapter... Three. Philippians chapter 3. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 3. Hallelujah. You know, the, the Apostle Paul is writing this, and in the first eight verses, he's really going through and telling us really his credentials. Right, Joseph, he's telling us, you know, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews, I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisee, accounting the law, I was perfect, you know, I've been educated with the best, and I've, you know, I'm a, I'm a Roman citizen, um, but, you know, I'm also a Hebrew, and so he's giving us all his, he even tells us that he sat at the feet of Gamaliel, one of the greatest high priests and rabbis of the day, and so he's telling us all these things, and in verse 8, he says this, he goes, yet doubtless I count all these things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Meaning, everything that I've known up to this time, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And he says, I I treat it, I count it, but dung. Just so I might win Christ. And I love verse 9, he says, says, and be found in him. Meaning, I... None of that other stuff matters. But what matters me, to me is that I'm found in him. I saw that this week, and, and in the Amplified it says, that I might be found and known in him. See, the world knew him. The, the religious world knew him. People in Rome knew him. I mean, he, he, was, he had the boldness to go to the leaders in Jerusalem and stand there and say, I want to see Caesar. I mean, I want to see the most powerful man in the world. I want to see, I want to stand before Caesar. But yet he said, he goes, the only thing that matters to me is that I'm found in him and I'm known in him. What are you known for? What does your spouse know you as? 
what do your children know you as? Seriously. That's, 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 where, that's really where the, it, it doesn't matter what I know you as here in church. Is what, do, what, do, what, do, what, do your, what does your employer know you as? Because Paul said, I, I want them to know me as in him. And then he goes in verse 10 and says, my determined purpose is to know him. See, verse, verse 9 says that I might be found in him. And then verse 10 says, but my determined purpose is that I know him. I want to be found in him, but my purpose is that I might continue to know him. Meaning, I'm never going to stop this journey. Right. Yes. Amen. See, see, the world will try to make you look at Christianity as just another box that you tick off. It's just another thing that you, you, you say, oh, well, this is what I am. It's like, it's like, like part of a census that, that the world's taking. No, this, you, you live in a whole new kingdom now <laughs> that has different rules. That doesn't mean you can't relate to the world because I've seen Christians and they are just flaky. Seriously. So it has nothing, but, but it's realizing that, wait a minute, I need to be different my determined purpose is to know him. And I, I love verse 12. He says this, not as though I've already attained or either were already perfect. Meaning, it's not that I've already know everything. It is not that I'm complete in every way. So as I minister to you this morning, it's not about you doing everything right. It's not about you having all, all your I's dotted and T's crossed and that you just do everything perfect. And, and you have this Christian walk and, and, and you don't do anything. It has nothing to do with this. It's about relationship with him. Yeah. It's all about relationship with him. And, and he's saying, it's not that I'm already perfect. It's not that I've already attained. He says, but I follow after. Meaning, I haven't arrived yet. You know what? But I'm still pursuing something. I'm still drawing near to something. I'm still going after something. So what? That I may apprehend. I love this. That I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Do you know what the Apostle Paul's saying here? Get, get a picture of this. He's saying, I follow after, meaning I haven't arrived yet, and I've just tasted Christ. I, I, I've, I've just got a, got a taste of it, and that, that, that one, that, that presence, that power that, that intersected with my life, that, that had a crossroads on the, on the road of Damascus that, that knocked me off my donkey, and, and he laid hold of me. That same one that apprehended me, I'm apprehending him. That same one that laid hold of me, I'm, I'm grabbing hold of him. That same one that pursued me enough, I'm going to pursue him. And I want you to know there's one pursuing you today. He's just wanting you to pursue back. He's just wanting you to pursue farther. He's just wanting you to pursue more. And that's what the Apostle Paul's saying. It's not that I've apprehended, but I'm following after because I want to lay hold of who, who laid hold of me. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He says it again. But this one thing I do, I forget everything that's behind me. And reaching forth to those things that are before I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is the prize? Well, no, it's the high calling. Yeah, that could have to do with why you were created and, and what you were born for, but ultimately it's him. It's him. Staying is about abiding in him. Abiding in him is about being totally dependent upon him Abiding is about being submitted to him. 
And submitted is about, being submitted is about pursuing him. Hallelujah. Go to Matthew 19. I'll start to close. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. There's two people that I see in the Gospels that had a pursuit. And their desire and their pursuit carried them to the same one. Their desire and their pursuit carried them to the same man, to the same presence, to the same grace, to the same anointing, so to speak. One of those that we see is the rich young ruler. See, the rich young ruler, he didn't have any natural deficits. He, he was rich. He, 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 he was wealthy. He was a, a man of prestige. But yet there was something in him, yet he, he was like, I, there's something more. There's something more. And he wasn't, he wasn't settled with just his natural successes. And so much so that he comes to Jesus and he makes a statement here in Matthew chapter 19. I'll read this statement and as we go forward. He says in verse 16, it says, And behold, one came and said to him, Good master, or rabbi, or teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? You see, that's really where, where the disconnect is and where religion has took the place of relationship is because the thought that this man had is really what most of humanity has. What good thing? What good thing must I do to experience eternal life? What good thing? See, it's almost like there's some sort of scorecard up in heaven that if I have more good things than bad things, then I get in. That's not the case. It's whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ. If you believe that he was born of a virgin and, and he died on the cross for your sins, it says that you would be saved. That's how you're born again, not good marks and bad marks. So this man had really the, 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 the hindrance that all humanity has had, and that is, what good thing do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And because and a lot of times we look at ourselves, well, if I'm experiencing bad in my life, how much bad did I do? I have this because I did something bad. The disciples, even, you know, even the people that came to Jesus and that boy that was born blind. And, and, and so the disciples said, well, who did something bad, him or his parents? Well, that let me know two things. For one, they believe in, in reincarnation because how could the son be born blind if he did something bad? So they must have believed in reincarnation. Or, or the fact that the, the son is paying for the parent's sin. So a lot of times there's these good and this bad, and we weigh the fruits in our lives based on, based on maybe something that we have done. But here he's saying, he, he's saying, what good thing did I do? And, and Jesus said, why call thou me good? There's none perfect but one, and that's God. Jesus was really telling him it's not about doing good, or it's not about how good you can be. It's about how good he is. And then he says, well, what about this eternal life thing? And he says, well, well just keep the commands, you know, you know love God, you know, you know, obey your parents and, and those things. And he said, well, I've done all these things from my youth, but what do I still lack? Yeah. 
what do I still lack? Look at verse 21. And Jesus said to him, now look at this terminology. It says, if thou will be perfect, meaning if you want to be perfect, if you want to be complete. See, this isn't about eternal life. This is about, do you want to feel whole? Do you want to feel whole? Because Jesus said, really what your issue here isn't about eternal life because Jesus, he couldn't preach the gospel to him yet because Jesus hadn't died yet. But, he, but he's really wanting to understand. So what, what you're wanting to know is how can you fix the void in your life? That's really what you're wanting to know. So if you want to fix the void in your life, go sell everything that you have and follow me. This wasn't, this wasn't about him becoming a poor man so he could find Jesus. This was about be, him becoming a humble man so he could really truly see Jesus. Because it was about him being, if you want to be perfect, stop trusting in the natural. If you, if you, want, to, if you want to really feel whole, stop trusting in the natural. Because he says there's no, it's like the woman at the well. There's no relationship that's going to make you whole. There's no money that's going to make you whole. There's no position that's going to make you whole. There's no success that's going to make you whole. So whatever it is, it's going to always come back to let go of the world and follow me. We see another man, and you see this in Luke chapter 19. I won't take the time to turn there for the sake of, sake, of the time, sake of time, but Luke chapter 19, there's another man that's pursuing Jesus. We know him as Zacchaeus. He's a publican, meaning he's not just a tax collector, but he's over all the tax collectors. And, and he shows up, and he's, he knows Jesus is passing by this particular day. And as, as they get to this certain point, he tries to see, see Jesus, but he can't see him because he's too short. Been there, done that. <laughs> Welcome to my world. I'm tall on the inside. Hallelujah. Giant. Yeah, Richard. Giant man. Giant spirit, man. I... And so here, the same this, the, the guy pursued Jesus. He pursued Jesus. Why? He had money. He had fame. He had a position. But yet there was still something he was lacking. And it said he sought to see Jesus. I love that terminology in, in, the, in the King James. He, it said he sought to see Jesus. Meaning he, he couldn't see him in the crowd, but he had said he sought to see. Meaning he was going to do everything it took. To, to find his answer. He was going to press through, the, press through the crowd. He was going to climb a tree. Whatever it took that day, he was going to encounter Jesus. What will you go through? Hallelujah. What will you go through to change? Hallelujah. And I love Jesus gets to where he is and he, and he looks up and Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down because today, I want to abide at your house. A man that everyone else hated. A man that no one else liked. No one liked him in the crowd. No one liked the IRS. <laughs> and yet, the leader of the IRS, or whatever government official you might think of at the moment, Zacchaeus, come down because today, I want to hang out with you. And it said he went home, Jesus went home with him. 
And he immediately said, hey, if I've wronged anyone, Jesus never told him about his sin. Jesus never said, hey, you, were, you stole people. You need to pay. Jesus didn't tell him anything. He says, there was just this natural progression of a relationship with Jesus of, I want, I want to be different. And he just, he may not have done something wrong because all he says, if I've done anything wrong, hey, hey, I'll pay it back. And if I've done anything this week, I'll pay it back four times. And Jesus said, hey, today, God's visited your house. And today, he says, you are a son of Abraham. See, that his whole life, he'd been labeled a tax collector. But now, all of a sudden, God is calling him by a covenant name, the son of Abraham. And the next verse says, and the last verse there in that whole account says, and Jesus goes about seeking and saving those who are lost. That Jesus came. Why he came was to seek and save those who are lost. But it's interesting, Jesus showed up, but yet they still had to seek. You know, the rich, rich young ruler, I, the Lord showed me this years ago, it said, Justin, he ran to me and he called me master, but he walked away sorrowful because I wasn't Lord. And that happens to a lot of people. That they want, they want to know the answer but yet they're not sure if they could truly give up and follow. So close my story in the Lord's place in my heart this morning. Can't totally prove this biblically, but through theologian I've studied, it's interesting about this man named Barnabas. How Barnabas stood up and it said he encouraged them to be devoted to cleave to and be faithful to the Lord. I was doing some research about this man named Barnabas. His real name is Joseph. Barnabas just means son of encourager or son of encouragement. And we see Barnabas really the first time we see him in Acts chapter 4 verse 36. And it says that Barnabas it said he took property and he sold it and he laid it at the disciples' feet. It's interesting. Now, a lot of research I've done and there's a lot of theologians that believe the rich young ruler was Barnabas. Because they knew him. They, they didn't know him up to that point. They said he did this and they called him the son of encouragement. One of the theologians I've read said, said that they called him that because the disciples that were there when Jesus talked to the rich young ruler. And so when he laid the stuff at his feet, they're saying he's doing what Jesus encouraged him to do. What do you say? Go sell all you have and follow me. I don't know if it is, is, is or not, but I believe Barnabas, there was something that went off on the inside of Barnabas where he was like, you know what? It's not about natural things. It's about following him. And if you look at Barnabas, Barnabas, man, man, throughout the book of Corinthians, and you look at he was with Paul every step of the way. And yet this Barnabas possibly could have been the rich young ruler who walked away sorrowful, finally made a decision. You know what? I'm going to follow. I'm going to give up all and I'm going to follow but also made a decision that everywhere I go, I'm going to carry this message. I'm going to continuously Amen. encourage them 
to cleave to the Lord, remain faithful to the Lord, and be devoted to the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm choosing. I don't know about you, but I'm staying. I'm abiding in him. Everyone stand to your feet. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Such a sweet presence here. His presence is in this place. Man, whoo. Some of you might not know what his presence is like. It's just, it's kind of like just a, like a blanket of peace. It's just like a blanket of peace. It's the only way I can say it right now. Right, Cassie? Just a blanket of peace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. 